delighted and honoured to have the guest on that I have on today. So the new episode of the Shane Walsh podcast today is with the amazing Millie Hill. So Millie Hill is a journalist, author and founder of the Positive Birth Movement. Her first book, The Positive Birth Book, was published in March 2017 to wide acclaim, immediately becoming an Amazon bestseller and remaining one of the most popular books for pregnant women ever since. In August 2020, her second book, Give Birth Like a Feminist, was published by HarperCollins and has been widely featured in the UK media, including the BBC. The book seeks to spark debate about childbirth as an overlooked feminist issue and urges women to reclaim their bodily autonomy in birth in line with the Me Too movement. In 2021, her book My Period, a puberty guide for preteen girls, was published by Ren and Book. Millie writes regularly for The Telegraph, Guardian, Independent, iPaper and more issues connected to motherhood, birth and women's rights and autonomy. So today's episode is goes into a lot of more detail about kind of handling how you handle time of the month, having those honest conversations with your your teens and your kids who are going through the, the puberty and, and the changes. It's talking about periods, that they're, they're, they're not something to be afraid of or ashamed of. Talking about how getting your first period can be quite scary and daunting. What to include in your first period kit. Importance of charting or tracking your cycle. The biggest myth that we would both get rid of. And we talk about an awful lot of things. We talk about feminist, feminism a little bit as well. So I hope you guys enjoyed the episode of Millie Hill. Millie, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for inviting me. Millie, I know you are a massive author and you've got an amazing new book coming out, but I'm going to get you to give a little bit of a brief intro into how you got, and got into this realm and your background. Yeah, well, okay, it's a long story. <laughs> But basically, um, I'm mainly a writer. Um, I've been a freelance journalist for about um, 10 years, and I got into writing and journalism after I became a mum. I've got three kids. And um, so I've just sort of slowly, before um, becoming a mum, I was working as a therapist. So I was very interested in sort of, you know, mindset and psychology, obviously, as a therapist. And um, then going through the experience of pregnancy and childbirth, um, I just became fascinated and obsessed by the topic, really. Um, so I was, I've, been, I've done a lot of writing about pregnancy and birth. Um, I started an organisation called the Positive Birth Movement in 2012, which um, was a network, ran for nine years as a network of groups for women to go to, sometimes with their partners, and uh, talk about uh their birth plans, uh, share birth stories, connect with other people in their area. Um, And the whole idea of the positive birth movement was it was all linked up by social media as well. So it's kind of been part of that social media phenomenon of women suddenly having a new place to share their female experience of pregnancy, their birth stories, their birth photos. Yeah, so it's kind of a big melting pot, really. (laughs) But through all that, um, and through being a journalist with a kind of birth angle, I ended up writing a book called The Positive Birth Book, which came out five years ago. And that's been my most successful book so far. It's been, um, it's one of the best selling birth books in the UK, which is amazing. Um, And after that, I wrote a book called Give Birth Like a Feminist, which was kind of going back to my roots, really, of why I wanted to be involved in the birth topic in the first place, because of my passion for women's issues and kind of, you know, seeing birth as a feminist issue. So that book, although it's kind of angled at pregnant women, it's it's suitable for anyone to read who kind of wants to sort of have a think about why birth is a feminist issue. And then I've ended up doing a children's book in the last... Um, year which is all about periods so I've kind of gone on a journey 
somehow ended up in <laughs> this area of female biology as a writer. And that's kind of a little, I hope that's a good potted history. <laughs> We're not no, too free ranging. It, it's it's kind of like the highlight reel. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's plenty more in there. And there's in, a lot. <laughs> in, your, in your new book, My Period, it's very different stage of life to what you normally have spoken about. So how did the idea of My Period come about and kind of give us a little bit more information on that? Yeah, well, it's really interesting to me. I think like most people, um, I probably a few years ago would have thought, oh, periods, you know, that's got nothing really to do with birth, which is kind of funny, really. It's the same. I was talking to someone the other day about this, how we often think, oh, sex, that's got nothing to do with birth. And we, we separate all these experiences out, but actually they are they are all interconnected. And um, what got me thinking about that was, um, and I always credit this because it was this woman in uh, Australia called Jane Hardwick Collings. Um, she's an amazing um, educator on all of the kind of rites of passage that women go through in their lives. And I went on a workshop with her several years ago about menstruation. And I kind of went, she invited me because I know her and I was like, mm, this might be interesting. And it was such a mind blowing day because it really got me thinking about the connections between menstruation and birth which obviously birth being the topic I know the most about and it got me thinking about how you know I think one of the reasons that I'm, I've been involved in this conversation is because I'm really passionate about you know ch challenging the narrative that women have about their bodies and how women are made to feel about their about being female um, and when it comes to menstruation I suddenly thought oh here's another area where then there's all this negative messaging that comes in from such an early age about the female body being something that is basically a problem that needs to be fixed. And you see this in the birth room, you know, writ large. You see it in, you know, in women's psychology when they're approaching birth, writ large. But I hadn't really thought until I did that workshop with Jane Hardwick Collins. I hadn't really made that connection that actually these are messages that are kind of ingrained in our culture and that run through like a seam. They run through all of the female experiences, menopause being another one. So we see the female body as the, you know, the spare rib, <laughs> you know, this the second in command body kind of thing, the kind of, um, you know, the, the male body is the, the the correct one, the one that works. And then the female body is this kind of like sort of sloppy, messy, dysfunctional, crazy, unpredictable other um, type of body that, you know, that needs lots of uh, medical attention and help all throughout um, its life in order to, uh, you know, right its wrongs kind of thing. So that's kind of how I got to thinking about periods was just suddenly making that connection between birth and menstruation and the cultural and social messages that we give even to young girls around that time in their lives and how that might imprint on them and how that might follow them through other female experiences like birth. Um, so then I just, someone just said to me this, you know, um, would you like to do a book about for, for young people about periods? And I, I just leapt at the chance. It was right at the beginning of the pandemic. I was like, yes, please <laughs> uh, give me a project that isn't uh, educating my children. And uh, <laughs> so that's how I came to do it. But I thought, what a great opportunity, because, you know, it's there are so many negative messages that come into young girls lives. We know this, you know, especially around bodies and body confidence and self-esteem. So I saw it as an opportunity to kind of like 
implant some real positivity, the same kind of narrative that I've been involved in in birth, you know, changing that narrative and saying, what's good about this, reframing it. So, you know, let's let's do the same with periods, but rather than wait until the women are 30 before they get their hands on a book like this, let's give it to nine and 10 year olds. I think that's incredible because I think we're like, we're, we're having kind of many rants off air uh, about kind of like the, the state of play for kind of men versus woman, but it shouldn't be about man versus woman. It should be like the two are kind of linked and it takes a man and a woman to kind of create a, a kid and kind of sex is one element of it, periods another element of it. And the, those two things, as you said, have kind of been forgotten along the way. As a mom yourself and as a parent yourself, do you think the education system for kids at the minute around that age or as teenagers has improved or do you think it still needs a good bit of work to be able to kind of prove around period health and periods themselves? I think, I think it probably has improved, but I think it, I think it does need a bit of work. Um, You know, the issue is of course, is that the women who are doing the educating, the teachers in schools have also got this cultural baggage that we all, carry and some of them will have noticed that and read some books or spoken to some people or you know had some experiences that have caused them to challenge that whereas others will still be entrenched in it and they're the people who are and and as will the parents as well you know the mums and dads who are educating their kids have all we all carry this baggage and many people still haven't noticed that it's baggage and noticed that there's any other way of thinking about things so I think when it comes to period education for example in schools it's very often very sort of biological, um, you know, in, which is kind of fine, but it's, it's very much focused on, you know, well, once a month you will bleed. Um, these are the different products you can use. Um, it might hurt a bit, the end kind of thing. <laughs> and it doesn't, it, it's very unusual to be taught, um, you know, extra stuff, for example, you know, the cycle ovulation. That's not so not given so much focus, if at all. And I think all of those things, you know, hopefully are changing as as more books come along um, and, you know, women start to think about things in different ways. But at the moment, I think it's still pretty, pretty old school, a lot of it. And do you think it's kind of like, I know one of the questions I kind of sent you over was in relation to uh, women often feel kind of embarrassed discussing their health and menstruation with other people and other women. Do you think how important do you think it is to, that it is important to kind of break down those barriers and how can that be actually achieved? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it is changing. Like I said, I mean, this social media has, is a, a problem for us socially, but it's also done a lot of good um, in terms of allowing women um, a platform to talk about their female biological experiences. I think for, for that alone, it's been an amazing, um, you know, shift because, you know, <clears throat> 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, nobody would have ever really, really talked about some of these female experience, experiences, like what birth is like. Um, another really good example is um, miscarriage, um, uh, you know, the, all of these um, experiences that were so, um, vi- you know, vivid in women's lives and so unforgettable to them and so much part of their story were were totally swept under the carpet and you know so now just just powerful images like a you know woman with menstrual blood you know photographs on instagram that, that have actual real menstrual blood in them you know things like that are quite groundbreaking if you think about it in terms of you know 
you know, our mothers and grandmothers experience and how, how utterly taboo that would have been. So I think all of those things are kind of helping to shift things away from, from the stigma and the taboo, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, and all of it is bound up with how women feel about being female and what it is to be a woman and whether that's something to celebrate or whether it's something to kind of like fix or, or even worse still hide away. I think that's an amazing, an amazing sentiment that you said there, what it actually feels like to be a woman. Because I think sometimes if some, if from, I can only talk from like coaching experience with working with female clients in that I'll never understand it from a psychological point of view. I can only understand it from a biological point of view or from a scientific point of view. And I can only apply that information to clients. And then if they're saying something else, but one of the things that, it's what kind of comes from clients on my end is why is this happening to me? I don't understand how my body works for me. And if you can understand your body for you, it will give you the freedom to be able to live the life you want because there, there is, there can be an element of shame. And even in Ireland, like we've had the Catholic church run us mm-hmm. for X amount of years. And even says in the Bible that you may, you should not lie with uh, a female who has blood in her and it's kind of like well that's very old school i'm not religious in any way or if someone is apologize if i offended you but i'm just stating the facts that there shouldn't be a shame of something so natural and something so amazing that we would all of us wouldn't be here if female hormones or hormone health or cycle wasn't there our moms bled our moms had a cycle and when none of us would be here sex happened mm. and it's about it's about appreciating and understanding that that if we want to continue the next generation those things are still going to be present, but it's about understanding and celebrating the body that you've had there to kind of have that, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it totally does make sense. And, and I think as well that the the shame and stigma thing, you know, it, it causes women because it, it causes us not to, you know, talk about our female experiences. It also leads to a lot of suffering because it means that, you know, women are not um, being, you know, in especially in the past, but even now, you know, not necessarily being taught um, how to tune into their cycles, how to, um, you know, what's right, what's wrong, what what should be happening, what shouldn't be happening, what you should put up with, what you shouldn't put up with. Um, and so it's leading to, it leads eventually to, you know, women suffering in silence as well, you know, and not, or not having a, um, a knowledge of their own bodies, um, which could be so helpful to them and to their health, um, their mental yeah. health, their physical health, all of it. And the mental health is a big massive is a thing that I don't think a lot, a lot of women kind of understand that there's going to be mood changes and stuff. There's obviously PMDD, there's PMS, there's loads of different things that can be. Um, and if someone's going into perimenopause, that's where anxiety can kind of be rife as well. It's important that there is support, that women mm-hmm. know that there is support out there for you if you are struggling with those, any changes. But you talk about or have spoken about kind of some of the changes at the time of the month. What are some of the handy tips that you can provide to someone who is having their first cycle or at the early stages of them and even someone who has had their cycle for years but may not yet understand how their actual body ticks for them yeah i'm just trying to remember um what was your question sorry i just got a bit lost there so the, what, are some, the, what are some of the biggest uh, changes someone can see around a time of the month and what are some of the tips that you can provide yeah well i think it's um it's different for everybody basically that's the the main thing to think about is you know it's this what i'm passionate about is about young girls and women 
tuning into their own cycle and getting to know it. You know, in my book for kids, I talk about becoming a cycle detective. So, you know, really sort of tracking everything and tuning into what's normal for you. And it's different for everybody. Um, so that's the key thing really is just to, you know, to to start to to know what, you know, to get to know yourself and to know your own body. Um, and, you know, and and to also just to focus on on the, the entire cycle, not just this the, the very tiny window of the month of, of the actual period yeah I, I i think that's an amazing thing and you have a have kind of said you've kind of gone into other bits of kind of saying that it shouldn't be a scary or daunting time for you either like what what advice would you give to a loved one or someone that's younger or like even your daughter or something like that that's kind of like could be going through that change it could be kind of leading in towards that change what advice would you give to them well, I mean, I, I have got two, I've got three kids and two of them are girls. One's 13 and one's 11. So I'm, I'm familiar with the territory of puberty very much at the moment, um, firsthand. Um, and I think it is, it is a really difficult time. It's a compli- it's such a complicated time um, for girls in so many ways. You know, your body's changing. Um, everything's changing in your friendships. You're, you know, you're starting to be much more self-aware. Personality changes, you know, uh, all kinds of stuff going on. So it is a really difficult time. Um, I'm not sure I have any sort of golden advice other than, you know, just I think for, for parents, it's really important to just try and stay connected with their, with their kids during this time. And, you know, it, it, I, I think I've learned through my, my, da- my eldest daughter that sort of trying to sort of push a positive narrative, I'm not, I'm not saying I've done that, but she's been very resistant to any positive messaging around periods and I can really understand that I mean partly it's probably just because I'm her mum and she doesn't want you know she she wants to rebel against me in some way and tell me that I'm wrong about everything (laughs) but um but also I think it is important to you know to give a real realistic picture but also to you know to try and um show girls that you know that there is something special about you know being female and it's it is you know I mean, let's face it, we, we, we're kind of stuck with it. So we, we're going to have these cycles, whether we like them or not. So I think my take on it is to just try and um, make friends with your body um, and appreciate what it's doing and understand it. And, you know, and also to know that, you know, if if it's if you are struggling, um, you know, and, and you have got extreme pain or, um, you know, extremely heavy periods or anything else that's making it really difficult for you, that that isn't something that you should accept. I think that's another really important thing to flag up because you know um a lot of women you know partly through lack of knowledge and lack of lack of conversations and through the stigma and through lack of awareness go through their entire lives having you know issues with their periods that they wouldn't they didn't necessarily have to put up with um and women also do find sometimes that they get fobbed off by doctors i was looking at a stat today um it says that it takes an average of seven and a half years to get a diagnosis of endometriosis yeah i i would say that's gone down from probably only about eight very recently yeah um so it's it it, endometriosis is so new like i think people are only getting their heads around the likes of say pcos and still there there's kind of like a lot of misinformation about that you have to go keto in order to kind of low carb or whatever that's not what the case is with endometriosis it's kind of like you can manage your symptoms there are options for you there are obviously different severities but once you know what your symptoms and severities are it becomes a hell of a lot easier and i think the biggest thing what you said there about being fobbed off by 
medical professionals and I don't want to knock medical professionals because they've been doing amazing work, particularly for a very, very long time, is that if you're going to a GP, a GP's job is to get you to sit down, deal with the thing that's right in front of them and then on to the next patient. Mm -hmm. If you are looking for someone who is going to wanting to dig, 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 you may have to go private. You may have to go to a specialist and get the options there. So if you're not happy with the first answer, go mm -hmm. to get a second answer, go to get a third answer. But the big thing that bugs me with that kind of being fobbed off by the doctor is I ask my clients to get uh, kind of hormone screens if I feel that's there's something up with their cycles. And sometimes GPs aren't very open or very warm to that mm. idea because they feel like well what have i missed what they kind of take it as an offensive kind of like ego thing or ego trip they're kind of like every woman has the right to see their hormones everyone has the right to see their vitamins and minerals in their body it's about yeah. understanding that it's not about the gp it's about what you want and have a list of questions have a list of symptoms with you have a checklist this is what i've been doing for the last two or three months this is what i've noticed and be prepared. And that's the biggest advice I would, I would say to someone if you're struggling with perimenopause or going into menopause or endometriosis or PCOS, have a criteria, have a system, a, a symptoms list written out for someone. And that's yeah. the thing. And that's the once once clients start doing that, it makes the thing less awkward. Yeah, I completely agree. It's, it's the, exactly the same dynamic that happens um, in pregnancy and birth. You know, um, I, I sometimes get told, oh, you know, you're, you're bashing medical professionals. You're set, you know, you're yeah. set, setting up a kind of war in between women and the system. It's like, well, it isn't that, but it's just that we have to have these conversations. We have to talk about how women aren't listened to and women are fobbed off you know not all hashtag not all men not all doctors we all know it's that uh, there are good men good doctors good people you know we're not criticizing individuals here but you have to have those conversations and and unfortunately until the system changes you have to arm women with information and you know tell them it's okay to push for for an answer it's okay to to make a birth plan and go into your midwife or doctor and say these are the things that i would like to happen when i have my baby this is my plan a this is my plan b this is the things i've thought about it's okay to put yourself in the driving seat of your own healthcare um, and your own life experience because you know menstruation can have a massive impact on all areas of your life if you've got um and other hormonal problems as, as you well know and and your, your birth experience in the same way you know if you have a, a really awful um traumatic birth it, it the ripples from that go out into every um area of your life and you never forget it um so it's it's really really important that we without criticizing anybody um or any doctors or anyone else, it's still really important we have these conversations and highlight the fact that, you know, women can ask questions, be in the driving seat of, of their experience um, and, you know, ask for a second opinion or, you know, if possible, like you say, go go private um, if they don't get the answers they're looking for. Yeah. It's just so, it's so important. Yeah, it is about what you said again, is like, it's not bashing doctors, it's not bashing the medical professionals, it's like, if you're unhappy with the opinion that you've got, there are other streams that you can go down if you're able to. So please be aware of that and just have a little bit of like doing almost like a case study on yourself so that yeah. when you are there with the doctors, you're giving yourself the best opportunity saying, right, this is happening, this is happening. Nothing happens in your body for no reason. You need to know why that's happening. And if you're having heavy flows or light flows, or having massive cramps and all that kind of stuff, you, there's a reason why it's happening and it's up to you to potentially do a little bit more groundwork on yourself and do a little bit of experiments on yourself and say right this is this is yeah. this is the case 
And if we can start this knowledge young, I mean, one thing that I think is really interesting that I've noticed um, since sort of getting involved in the period conversation is that a lot of women um, are discouraged uh, from, you know, taking any interest in their cycle unless they want to get pregnant. That's the time when suddenly it's like, oh, well, now we're going to tell you about ovulation. Now we're going to tell you about the fact that your temperature changes. Um, you know, you can, there are ways that you can track things. You know, there are ways that you can pay attention it, because you want to get pregnant. Yeah. And, and actually, when I was writing um, my book for Preteen Girls, it was questioned, well, do you really want to put in this thing about temperature changes? Because, you know, that's, that's a fertility thing. I'm like, no, it's not. It's actually a really interesting thing that happens to your body. Why should you not know about it? It's not just because you want to, you do or you don't want to have a baby one day. It's also because it's happening. You live in this body. It's yours. You know, <laughs> Why not know about the stuff it's getting up to? So I think that's interesting as well that, you know, um, maybe that's a reason why in menstrual education in schools, for example, they're like, oh, we don't really need to tell them much about ovulation. I mean, I can remember when my friend said to me and I was probably in my late 20s or something, she said, oh, God, I'm ovulating. And she, I was like, what? I was like, what? I couldn't believe she did. How do you know? And she said, oh, I know when I ovulate. She said, I even know which side I ovulate from. And I was absolutely stunned. I said, I'd never thought about it before. And this is like 15 years into being, you know, menstruating. Yeah. I had no idea that I could tell when I, and as soon as she told me, I started to pay attention. And I thought, I can tell when I ovulate too. It's actually pretty obvious to me. <laughs> but if we don't tell people these things, then they're not going to work necessarily work them out by themselves. No, and there's amazing kind of like there's apps and stuff like Kandara and Clue or else Natural Cycles is the one that really hones in on the actual rise in basal te better top body temperature and stuff like that. So Natural Cycles is part of the one. Yeah. You just get it to your house and you kind of you, you monitor your um your temperature each morning and stuff at the same time and you can monitor it over time and it's a little bit more accurate. It's Kandara and Clue as well. And there's a good old fashioned pen and paper if you want to use that or a good yeah. old fashioned thermometer that you probably have or the old school ones that your parents used to stick into your mouth when you were sick. Exactly. Uh, that, that could also use, be useful. You talk and obviously, about I mean, don't get me wrong either. I don't mean that, you know, 12 year olds need to be monitoring their yeah, temperature yeah. every day. It's just that it's okay to tell them that it changes. You know, it's it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's a norm. It's a normal thing, and it's going yeah. to happen. So yeah, sooner you, fascinating fact. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you talk about kind of like a first period kit mm. uh, for those who are kind of going through the initial change, teenagers or whatever age they may be. What would you include in your first um, period kit? Well, there's there's two kinds of first period kits, really. I suppose one is is the kind of um, what we used to call the just in case kit, you know, um, when I was at school. So you need to have, if you know, you're going to school and you're, you know, you, it, in my book, I talk about the signs that will lead up to, you know, see that if you've got the signs that you know that you, you may start your period sometime soon. So if you're having those signs, you've had those signs, it's good idea to have something in your bag. So you just need a little bag with your chosen period product, maybe a change of underwear, um, maybe some rolled up leggings if, if you can fit them in, um, some wipes, um, that kind of thing. And, you know, the, the optional things to put in there are, you know, in, I say in my book, just to make it fun, you know, you can put a little treat in because this when you actually go to the loo this time at school and you realise you've actually started your period for the first time, you know, you can open your little period kit and maybe you've got one of your favourite chocolates in there or um, a little note from your mum or dad or parent um, you know, to say some secret message to you that you get to open when you've started your first period. So something fun like that you can put in as well. 
Um, but obviously there's a practical element to it. You know, you need to be prepared um, for your first period when, when you're, you know, um, a young teenager. But there's another kind of first period kit, which I, I didn't really put so much in the book, but I think it's a really nice idea that um, parents can do for their, for their daughters as well, which is just to get a nice little box together of treats, you know, so that it's, you know, because in our culture, we quite often don't have, well, we don't have any official um, rituals or rites of passage for, you know, celebrating um, the first period, whereas, there, you know, there are other cultures in the world that do. Um, and so, you know, it's nice to think, well, what can we do in our family to celebrate this? It might just be a, a pretty box with a little piece of jewellery or a chocolate or, um, you know, a nice new pen or um, something that means something to them. Um, for example, a book about periods <laughs> would be another option or a really lovely letter or maybe like um, something like a little voucher saying now you can get your ears pierced or now, you know, we're going to go um, on this special trip or whatever it might be. So, you know, something like that you can put together and, you know, depending on, you know, what your daughter is into, just to say this is this is something to celebrate. You know, we're, it's it's a, a, a rite of passage. It's a you know, you stepped over a threshold into a new area of your life and, you know, that's a positive thing. I love I love that idea of kind of like having a little kit with kind of like a little bit of chocolate because I think <laughs> every woman loves chocolate. So it's kind of like, well, why not give yourself the stuff they actually want? You're a much nicer person with it as well. Uh, so I, I, I always say to my clients, every single one of you has to have chocolate every single day. And they're kind of like, what's the trick? I'm like, no, no, have chocolate every single day. And I guarantee you'll feel a hell of a lot better. And then after I'm going to shock you. I don't actually really like chocolate. That Are much. you a more savory girl? Yeah. Yeah. I'm much more into like, like cheese or anything like or that. Or crisps yeah. or any other pancakes. Crisps, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So whatever you want. Okay. Uh, I'll go with the crisps. Soul, soul foods. As, uh, yeah. I call them. <laughs> so go for the soul foods. Good for the soul. Um, you talk about the importance of actually charting your cycle. Can you kind of tell us what charting your cycle is and how do you actually start doing this? Yeah, well, it's it's really, really simple um, it, and it can be as complicated as you want to make it. So at a simple level, I mean, most women do chart their cycle to some extent in the sense that they normally make a note somewhere um, these days on your phone, in your you know electronic diary or whatever, or old school in your paper diary if you're still using one of those you know, when's your period due? Um, and, you know, you start to get a sense of, well, mine comes every 29 days or mine comes every 26 days or 32 days, or whatever. So everybody is to some extent doing the basics of charting their cycle. But then you can add in other stuff. So, um, you know, you can add in, in, in the book, my book for children, um, there's a sort of circular cycle, which is um, quite pretty and you can fill in different sections of that. So again, I'm keeping it very basic because it's for nine and 10 year olds, but um, I suggest them charting their flow. So that's their period flow and their vaginal fluids throughout the month. So different changes in your vaginal fluids. So whether you don't have any, whether it's sticky, this is your vaginal fluids, wet or a bit more like egg white, and then charting your period flow. So whether you get like spotting, uh, really light flow, medium flow, heavy flow, and obviously that's subjective. You might heavy flow for you might be light for somebody else, but it's not about anybody else. It's just about you. Um, and then of course, it's really interesting to chart your feelings. So um, because it's for children in my book, you know, I've got little smiley face, sad face, uh, kind of meh face, which is kind of like a bit in between and an angry face. But, you know, if you're an adult, you might want to get a bit more, you know, go into that in a bit more depth. 
and also your energy levels um you know and then um my book it's just an, an up arrow a down arrow or a line across to show that they're the same as the day before so you're just looking overall what's happening in my body um what's happening in my cycle and then how are my feelings and my energy levels relating to that but then you can track a lot of other stuff especially you know if you're an adult um, or a bit older you can start to look at areas that you're curious about so you might track your libido um, you might track fitness training related stuff. Um, you might notice changes in your appetites or cravings. You might want to put down your weight, um, loss or gain. Um, you, if you have a chronic, um, illness, you could look at whether there are any changes in that throughout your cycle. Um, you can look at mental health related stuff. Um, so really, um, you know, it's easy enough to do. You just need a piece of paper and a pen, and if you want to keep it simple, just write down, you know, the date down the left hand side and then, you know, make notes alongside that in columns. If you like, you can make your own or, you know, you can download various ones or you can use the apps like Clue, et cetera, um, to do it. But the more, you know, the more you get to know what's going on for you throughout the month, the more interesting it becomes, really. And you can track, like I say, you can you can track anything yeah. alongside your period and see how is my period is my period having an effect on this? Yeah, and you'll also know that if something, so say if you get more stressed, that something has gone or something has changed or there's a delay in your cycle or it's gone early or it's heavier or it's lighter, you'll know what the norm for you is. And if you know what the norm for you is and you notice those changes, you'll be like, all right, now I need to actually lo look at my lifestyle and say, right, have I been working silly hours at work again? Have I neglected my exercise? Am I been exercising too much? Do I need to scale mm -hmm. things back? Have I been giving myself the nutrients and vitamins and, and uh, kind of eat, eating wholesome foods the majority of the time? Or else am I out in the piss way too often? So like it's kind of looking at, well, what's what's the norm for you is going to be nor different for someone else. Every single woman is unique and it's about like celebrating the uniqueness. And you're not alone in your journey. But I guarantee that if you have something unique about you, there's someone else out there that is, has that thing as well. And it's about kind of trying to find those people. I'm not t telling you to go out and talk to random strangers in the middle of the street about like about your body and stuff. But I guarantee that if you talk about it with your friends, they'll be like, oh, I had this. And they'll be able to potentially support you or else they'll be able to point you in the right direction. Of, oh, I read this book or I listened to this podcast or I found this doctor that may be able to help me. And it may work, it may not work, but it's about having that unity and community around women, which I think is, which which needs to be kind of, you need that around you, I think. Yeah, um, totally. And and just on a simple level, you know, if you start, if you chart your cycles for a, you know, a few months and you start to realize, oh, every, you know, maybe this is being slightly simplistic, but for example, you might notice every month, you know, on this sort of around this day, I have a real dip in my, you know, mental health and I feel really, really low. Well, then instead of just seeing that as, you know, oh, I feel really low again, this is terrible, you know, you, you can think, okay, this is that time you can be ready for it. You can say, you can schedule around it. You can say, to, I'm not going to do the podcast or the meeting that day because that's going to be the day when I just need to be under my duvet, eating chocolate or crisps, <laughs> or... <clears throat> Or maybe it's something that, you know, you need to look into further if it's if it's a, becoming a really major problem. But it, it's something that, you know, it's getting to know yourself and, and what's normal for you and, and and then being able to, um, you know, predict it and and notice it and and see it coming and prepare for it. I love that. And the last question I'm going to ask you, Millie, is what's the biggest myth that you would get, a, get rid of around the cycle? Yeah, well, I think we talked about it a bit already, basically, which is just this idea that it's it's normal um, to suffer. 
Yeah. Um, I think that that's the, the, probably the myth that does women the greatest disservice. So it's common to suffer, but it's not normal. And there's a difference. So, you know, if you, however old you are, if, you know, if you are suffering, then there's something that you, there should be something that can be done about that. It's not, it's not normal. It's not normal for your periods to rule your life to the extent that you know it's debilitating. That the pain is extreme. You know it's really horrific. And I do. I still speak to so many women who who when because obviously I say I've written a book about this that the other. They say oh 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 I hate my period. It's horrendous. You know I, especially when I was in my thirties. Every month that I had to do this. You know I couldn't go to work. And you think oh you know this is terrible that that women are not being told. You shouldn't have to put up with that. So that's definitely the myth that I would I would most like to dispel, I think. Yeah, I think the one for me that's not your fault. There's normally a reason why something's happening and it's about investigating a little bit more uh, to try and find out what's going on. Like if you have PCOS or endometriosis or going through perimenopause, there's things that can be done, nutritional interventions, lifestyle interventions. There's always something that can be done. It could yeah. be longer. Like it's not your fault that you have those things. A lot of those are genetics um i love that i love the it's not your fault because that's kind of what i'm saying as well i'm saying it's not because yeah. you're a woman that this is happening to you it's not you know yeah. it, which is it's not your fault but you know i think that's the what we're going back to what we we're saying in the beginning about you know women being this kind of like dysfunctional version of men it's not that that is not why you're suffering <laughs> it's not your fault and there are loads of things <clears throat> that you can do about it yeah uh, that can be done where can people find out about all of your books, including the, the brand new one, My Period? Well, they're all on the various book websites. Um, so you can find them there um, or just type them into Google. Um, I've got a website, which is www.millihill.co.uk. Um, and there's some info on there. And I'm on all the different social medias. Um, you can come find me there. Um, I don't talk all the time about periods um and stuff like that on there i kind of i'm a bit feisty and political so uh but come and <laughs> come and find me um if you want to um for some feminist chat and um also i do share stuff about my books as well on there as well so i'm on instagram twitter and i have a facebook page as well amazing I cannot thank you enough for coming on and sharing your own story and kind of having a chat with me beforehand. I know we were kind of like, we actually better press record. Uh, <laughs> so we're forgetting about that. But thank you so much. And guys, if you, uh, I'll put all the links into the the bio and stuff. For you, if you want to buy Millie's books, head over to our website, head over to Amazon and get them as Audible as well, um, which you can get them as well. But Millie, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really lovely to talk to you.